There's a lot of authors that I really like. Stephen King is the only one that I love, you know, that I like any book of his, I know I'm gonna enjoy. I He's the only, I've met a bunch of authors and he's the only one that I was in the same room with where I was like hyperventilating because I was like, I can't believe we're in the same place. I just really respect him. I just think he's so great. From Bookworms in the Wild and from Anchor, I'm Howard Alterescu, and this is my podcast where I ask people I find interesting to tell me what they're reading. Today's guest is a Stephen King superfan who has read about 50 of his 70-plus books, who also loves detective books and sci-fi, and who has 400 books on her must-read reading list. Our guest is Maya Prohovnik, the VP of Product at Anchor, the very same podcast company where we are recording this discussion in the podcast lab in New York City. Welcome, Maya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you're glad we could do this. Yeah. Where to start? You've been reading Stephen King's books and noting connections between them for 20 years, and your podcast, The Dairy Connection, is devoted to discussing his books. At the same time, as I said, you have 400 or so additional books on your must-read reading list. Although a lot of those are Stephen King books, to be fair. Well, that's good. He's got a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) So to ask you to tell me what you're reading would result in a Stephen King discussion, primarily, probably, but may also include lots of other books as well. Let's start with Stephen King, but let's leave time for you to talk about the detective novels you love, as well as your favorite book, which I understand is Children in Time. That's true. So... How did you get interested in Stephen King? Do you have a favorite? Are you reading any Stephen King now? Yeah. So I uh, I got into Stephen King, I think when I was in middle school, um, I went through the same kind of self-destructive streak that I think a lot of middle schoolers do, where I was looking for the like the worst books and movies for me to consume, you know, like all the things that I wasn't supposed to be reading and watching. Um, so that's how I got into horror is I was looking to, you know, find something that was for grownups that would, you know, be something new. And I... Uh, Stephen King, I feel like was the first author that I read where I didn't, I didn't skim. I'm sort of like, this is a a bad thing to talk about on a book podcast, but I'm a little bit of a skimmer. Like if there's too much explanation and if there's not enough action or, or, um, or conversation, I tend to just kind of be like, all right, I get it. Like you're on a planet, whatever, that's fine. Um, but with Stephen King, I really feel like I care about everything that's going on in the background, um, which I always found amazing. Like he not only writes so many books, but he gets so detailed and he is so good at, um, character development. I know some people would argue with me there, but I think it's really compelling. So I started reading him in middle school um, and I read all the classics. So I read like Carrie and Cujo and um, Christine, like all the old ones. Um, and it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I started expanding outside of the classics and into like more of the um, the weird Stephen King and the more modern Stephen King. Uh, and I realized I liked all those too. I didn't really become a Stephen King super fan until I started noticing, like you said, that there are all these hidden connections across his books. And even before I I knew that like this was a thing that other people had noticed, I started a, a spreadsheet. I had one uh, Google Doc shared with my one of my friends, and every time we found a connection, we would add it in the spreadsheet and then like talk about it. Um, and then you know after a couple of years of, of that, I realized that's actually a thing that he's known for, and there are like entire <laughs> databases filled with Stephen King connections. But... Was this a revelation of your own, or did somebody tell you there were these connections? So I. I noticed that there were callbacks to, you know, specific characters. Like, I think at first I just noticed the really obvious ones. Um, and my friend, who is the other Stephen King super fan, um, had read, he read The Dark Tower before I did, which is like Stephen King's magnum opus. And it's this big epic series that he's been writing. Literally, I think he started when he was 19 and finished like 
10 years ago or something. Um, so he, you know, that's kind of his life's work and I had never read it because it's, it's supposed to be more fantasy and I didn't really want that. Um, and my friend kept being like, Oh, remember that character that you saw here? They actually have a big, a much bigger role in the dark tower. So we know that they're a bigger part of this, like Stephen King multiverse. Um, so then I read the dark tower and then I got really crazy because that's when you start, like, there's all these kind of conspiracy theories where it's like, you know, this person has a similar name to someone, but then it turns out that they're actually distantly related through the dark. Like there's all these very complicated, um, connections. Um, and I just, I find it really fun. Like I, I love reading, but I feel like anytime I'm reading Stephen King, it feels like this bonus thing where I not only get to read, I get, it's almost like a treasure hunt, you know, and it keeps me really engaged. Feels like, feels like family. It does. Right. I have said this before that it starts to feel like Stephen King is leaving these specifically for me, which I know is an insane thing to think. Could be. Yeah. But I like, it feels like it feels like a reward for the people who are his super fans who are going to notice this stuff. And so you refer to yourself and to your friend as super fans. What makes you, a, you sound like a super fan, but <laughs> what makes you a super fan? Um, I don't know. I think it's just that anytime I talk about Stephen King to someone else, they sort of do what you just did. And they're like, okay, I get it. You know a lot about Stephen <laughs> King. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I, there's a lot of authors that I really like. Stephen King is the only one that I love, you know, that I like any book of his, I know I'm going to enjoy. I, he's the only, I've met a bunch of authors and he's the only one that I was in the same room with where I was like hyperventilating. Cause I was like, I can't believe we're in the same place. I just really respect him. I just think he's so great. So I was going to ask you this later, but yeah. Did you get engaged in front of his house? I did get engaged <laughs> in front of his house. <laughs> right, That's maybe another reason I'm a super fan. <laughs> that could be. So, do you, so Dark Tower, but do you have specific favorites or spe- uh, books or specific favorite characters from his books? Yeah. I, so characters is tough because he has, I think, you know, thousands and thousands of characters. But um, in terms of books, so I would definitely say uh, Drawing of the Three, which is the second Dark Tower book, um, and it is where the story really picks up, I think is one of the most magical experiences I've ever had reading a book. Cause it, the first book is very like fantasy Western and kind of boring, honestly. And the second book turns completely into this different genre and something that I've really never seen done before. Um, so that one is really amazing. I, w- I would really recommend that. Um, another one that I always tell people about is Lisey's story, which is kind of more on the romance side of things. Um, still a little bit scary, but, um, it's, I think it illustrates one of the things he does really well, which is love stories, which I don't think people realize that he he's just as good at that as he is at horror. Um, and then, I mean, there's a lot that I like. The other, I guess the other ones that I always tell people to read, because I think it's like, I can't imagine anyone reading them and not loving them are It, which is not actually just about a scary clown, although there is a scary clown in it. Um, and eleven twenty two sixty three, which is such a fun, like epic time travel story. Um, and yeah. I could go on, but I think those are my top four or five. So uh, of those, I've only read 112263, mm. which I loved. Yeah. I've never gotten into Stephen King. I, I always say I'm, I'm not a horror guy. I know. A lot of people say that. Uh, I am a story guy. And yeah. So maybe there's a lot in there for me. Yeah. But 112263, which I talked about right here in the podcast lab with Jim Finnegan did, okay. in episode three, uh, he and I, for, for the two of us, it was a period piece. Yeah. It was a time period that we were familiar with, very familiar with, and studied for many, many years. Yeah. And so that's what grabbed me. But on top of that, it was terrifically written. It yeah. Was just a great storyteller. I think you should read some more of his books. I really think a lot of them are like that. Like they seem like one thing on the surface. And when you get into it, they're often these very epic stories with these really lovable and memorable characters. And there's so many complex things going on. Um, the Stand is another good example of that. Well, Green, um, Green Miles probably. Green Miles, example. incredible. Yeah, lovable 
lovable characters. Yeah, it's so good. Have you, so you haven't read the book, but you saw the movie? No, no, I read You both, read the book. Both. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I read eleven twenty two sixty three, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, I read The Green Mile. I didn't read, but I watched Shawshank Redemption, mm -hmm. of course. And I didn't realize that was Stephen King. I, nobody does. Yeah. That, that, that also... He, he's a great storyteller, as I said, and yeah. that, that's such that's an extraordinary story. Yeah, does, he's incredible. Does it, write, does it read as well as the movie? Shawshank? Yeah. Yeah, well, Shawshank is actually a novella. It's not even a full book, um, but, it, it, I mean, it's great. I actually think both Shawshank and Green Mile, I would argue the, the novellas are actually better than the movies because I feel like they do a better job of capturing... Um, the inner monologue of all the characters, which I feel like is such a big part of what Stephen King does well. And in the movie, they do a little bit of that with narration, but it doesn't come across. And I feel like you don't get as much of a sense of all of the characters, just kind of the main characters in the movies. So um, I bought 1122. I was with, I, I mentioned before we started, uh, a group we work with in the South Bronx, Renaissance Youth Center. And yeah. We, Carol and I, uh, with the director, take the bay into Maine every summer. And we were in Maine this past summer. Mm -hmm. And I always talk to them about books, as I do with everybody. And I said, who's the most famous author in Maine? And they, nobody knew, nobody knew. Somebody said Stephen King. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about his books. And I said, I mentioned 112263. And one of the young girls said, I'd love to read that. So I went out and bought it for her. And in the back of the book, to my surprise, was the song list that he listened to while he wrote the book. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Yeah. It was just great. Songs from the 50s and 60s, songs from Texas and otherwise. Is there music associated with his books generally? Yeah, I think that's another one of the things that he's kind of known for is I th almost every book that I can think of, he, he'll do... Um like the chapter openers have quotes from songs. Um, and I don't remember what it was. I may have told you this before, but I, I heard a really interesting fact about how much he has to pay in royalties to have those. Oh, really? I, I'll look it up. I don't remember how much it was, but it's, you know, so for him, he's a billionaire, so it's fine, but he has to pay, you know, dozens of thousands of dollars to have the rights to these. And to him, it's so important to have like that specific Rolling Stones um, song. But he also, I think that he takes a lot of inspiration from music in the stories themselves. There's always like, it's so meaningful what people are listening to in their cars while they're driving around or adults will have memories of what they listened to when they were a kid. Um, or you'll have one of the things he does is, you know, sometimes like a scary character character will be sort of saying a song, a nice song lyric in a way that's creepy. I think he uses a lot. Um, so I think, I think music is really important to him. I also like, he is known for every time he writes, he has really loud rock music on in his office. Um, so that's just one of his, one of his quirks. Yeah. Uh, Dave, always says that music or uh, yeah, music is a playlist of his life yeah and for, for we we remember parts of our life where we were when we heard, sp we heard totally. specific music so on stephen king are you reading something particular now i'm not reading one right now i think the next one i'm going to read is running man um i have my own stephen king podcast and the next episode my friend wants to talk about running man so i think that'll be the next one um the last one i read uh, I can't. Oh, I read Christine recently. I revisited that one for my podcast. Um, I want to get, there's a, a bunch of new ones. There's three or four from the last year or two that I haven't read yet that I need to catch up on. <laughs> and how many does he write, uh, write a year? He, so it ranges from on an average year, I would say at this point, usually maybe two, two or three books a year. Um, he's been doing more compilations though. Like he just did a couple with his son. Um, so that brings the number up, but I think at his craziest, like when he was on coke binges and all that stuff i think he was publishing like six or seven books a year it's crazy you know like long books <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot yeah that is a lot and um did i ask, well you said your favorite 
uh, is uh, Drawing of the Three, I think, from Dark yeah. Tower. Yeah. Uh, do you reread books? Stephen, I don't I, know where you find the time. Yeah, well, it's funny because I usually don't reread books because I, I have so many books I want to read. I don't really like revisiting stuff. But Stephen King is the only one that I revisit, partially for my podcast, but also just because I love them so much. You know, it's like it, it really feels like sitting down with old friends and seeing that, how they're so doing. Great. And yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And do you think about what the characters are doing when you're not reading? A hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. That's yeah. a great book. Yeah. I mean, I think see, the other thing that I love about Stephen King is it's every book is such a page turner from start to finish. So e even the bad ones, like frankly, Christine is not a very good book, but when I read it for the second time, I still couldn't wait to get back to it because you just want to see what happens. And to me, that's good writing like that. I want to be enthralled, you know, the problem with this podcast is I get introduced to so many I know, books. I can imagine. <laughs> it, it, it is overwhelming. <laughs> uh, talk about the 400 books on your must read reading list. Yeah. So I, used, how did that happen? I don't know. I, I mean, I really like books. I always have. And I think, um, I started, you know, Goodreads, it's, you can yes, use it to track course. books. So I, um, I started tracking the books I wanted to read. I want to say maybe in college. So whenever Goodreads started, so maybe 20 plus years, how old am I? No, 15 years ago, something like that. Um, and I, I love, part of me loves like looking up books even more than I love reading them because you get exposed to so many more stories that way. That, that's what I'm doing. Right, exactly. Right. Just sort of collecting these ideas. Um, and I didn't even notice for a while that I had so many saved. Um, and I think a couple years ago when I checked, I had something like 200, 250. Somehow that's got, even though I read so, I read like a couple books a month, which feels like a lot. Um, that's a lot. But even with that, it's very hard to, <laughs> to get the list down. But I, a friend of mine, I was talking to him about, you know, lamenting how many books we have to read. And he was like, you know, I actually did the math recently of if I read books as fast as I possibly can, which is two a month, I can only read this many more books until I die. And that was so depressing. To, I don't remember what the number was, but it was less than the 400 I have on my list. And I was like, oh, God, I have to start being more uh, more careful with the books that I'm spending more, time with. More selective. I know. Yeah. And, and, and Stephen King keeps writing. I know. So hopefully he does forever. They're my favorite. Right. So stay fit. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, the detective stories you like. Yeah. Well, so I, um, I'm, I haven't gotten super, I haven't been super into that genre until recently. I think when you and I talked a month or two ago, I had just gotten into this series called the, um, the deadly sin series. I think it's by right. Lawrence Sanders, Saunders, something like that. Um, and so I was reading, uh, the first deadly sin and it's one of those incredible, it was written in the seventies. Um, it's an author I've never heard before, read any of his stuff. Um, and I think some random person recommended it to me. So I, I gave it a try. Um, and it's so good. It's a, um, that one at least is a story about, it's a serial killer and the detective who's chasing him. And it's told from both of their perspectives. And so it's like from the beginning, you know exactly who the killer is, but it's still so fascinating, like watching the detective figure out who he is and how to catch him and like what he's doing. So there's a lot of um, really interesting like criminal profiling, um, you know, as he tries to figure out who he is based on the murders. Um, but it's just, I, I so often, I almost solely read books from the last 20 years outside of the old Stephen King ones. And so I feel like I never get exposed to kind of, you know, older writing styles. And it was so interesting to me writing, definitely misogynistic and it had its problems, but like <laughs> the way it was, you know, it's like this grisly old detective and it's very much like you were saying, it's kind of a period piece of New York in the seventies, sort of the griminess and, you know, simultaneous, like the love that everyone has for the city, um, which I think is a little different now, but, um, yeah, I just, I, it, it was cool being exposed to a new genre. Cause I do think I get kind of stuck in like, I tend to read horror and sci-fi 
and that's about it. Um, and so it's nice to, to try different things sometimes. So this is a podcast. People can't see you. You don't look like a horror <laughs> sci-fi kind of guy. If I may say. Yeah. <laughs> so some, so uh, before I started this format for the podcast, uh, I was talking to people as I do, I'll say randomly in yeah. res- restaurants and otherwise. Right. And I spoke to a gentleman by the name of Tyler at the Oak Pizzeria in Hudson. Mm-hmm. And I told him I was doing a podcast, and I said, so tell me what you're reading. And he said he reads the the more intelligent end of crime fiction. Oh, interesting. And he referred to Jim Thompson, After Dark, My Sweet, and Chester Himes, who wrote the Harlem Detective novel. So maybe I should look into those. Maybe. So that's an interesting connection with your your new love. And then The Children of Time, sci-fi. I read about that. It's a little bit frightening it's it's very it's very weird very weird thank you <laughs> so who will who will inherit this new earth yeah so talk about the children That's, you you said i think you said that was your favorite book which is hard to believe with stephen king yeah Maybe aside from stephen king. i think it's my favorite book of all time i read it um a year, year and a half ago, and we actually did it as a, a book club at Anchor, so a few of us read it together. Mixed reviews. I was definitely the most enthusiastic, um, but it was this random book that I, again, like an author I'd never heard of, um, and it frankly sounded kind of stupid. Um, His name, Adrian Tchaikovsky? Yes. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, the plot, it's sort of mysterious. I'm going to give a slight spoiler if that's okay, but it happens sure. pretty early in the story. Um, you know, So I knew nothing going into this book, and I love any kind of sci-fi, and so immediately I was interested from the beginning because it's about... Um, um, sort of earth has already fallen all of humanity that's left is out like in spaceships trying to find a new home so they're looking for um habitable planets to terraform and it sort of zooms in on the story of this one woman who um she's a scientist and she's got a, a literal barrel full of monkeys on her on her <laughs> spaceship and the idea is that she's going to drop the the thing full of monkeys and she's going to drop this kind of serum as part of the terraforming process onto this planet and the serum may, will make the monkeys evolve really quickly into essentially humans. So it's a way of like, um, you know, quickly being able to build a habitat on a planet and sort of have like this built in society of humans. And so the idea is like she goes to sleep for some amount of, you know, thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. And when she wakes up, she's going to show up and be sort of like the ruler of this new planet of humans. The problem is <laughs> the problem. something goes wrong and the monkeys don't make it to the planet. Something goes wrong with their barrel the serum makes it to the planet, and so it works on the animal that's already there on the planet, which is spiders. And what do the spiders become? So the, I mean, I don't want to ruin too much of it because I really <laughs> okay, think okay. you and everyone should read this book. Oh but God. what I will say is yeah. that you get to see essentially like what spiders society looks like when they're super smart and when they essentially have the um, intelligence and like social ability of humans but they still look and behave like spiders. So it's this really interesting juxtaposition. Spiders are great, are already very intelligent. They, they are, they, right. They, the webs they form yeah. are, are intricate. Totally. But I would argue they're a little, um, they're not very forward thinking. You know, they're sort of single-minded. <laughs> as far as I can tell. They don't seem to be trying very hard to take over. But And so you, you, so this was a book club book. You yeah. were an outlier. You loved it. Yeah. Uh, but generally people wondered about you. Yeah, some, I, I think like most people liked it. A couple of people were like, that was too weird for me. Um, but I think, I think it's just, I, I felt like it was uniquely sort of suited to my interest. Again, it was a massive page turner, like fascinating. It had a lot, it was a very epic story where it went back and forth between generations and humans and spiders. Um, it had a really smart, satisfying ending. Um, and it's, it's just so fun. Like I've never, 
I've never thought about what that would look like. And it's like every chapter you kind of see the spiders continuing to evolve. And every chapter they have a brand new sort of fantastic invention that you're like, oh my God, that is so, I've never thought about that. But of course that's what spiders would evolve if they were trying to communicate or breed or make friends or fight or, you know, there's like all these situations that come up. And how did you find Children of Time. It so near who works here found it. I have no idea. I think he, it was like a Goodreads recommendation or something, which are usually terrible. Um, and I think that he he suggested it for book club because he was like, "Maya, I really think you'll like this book," because everybody knows that I'm into, I guess, that kind of thing. But and is there is a book club ongoing? It's sort of ongoing. We're actually doing another one right now. It's not a formal book club, but sometimes we'll read books at the same time. Um, we're reading one right now, actually, that Near discovered, which is kind of similar to the plot of Children of Time, but instead of spiders, it's dogs. So maybe more palatable to normal people. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a little less like... Um, it, I guess I would describe this one as more hard sci-fi and the spider one is more soft sci-fi where this one you're getting a lot more depth into like how their spaceships work and you know where the universe came from whereas Children of Time really just like gets into the action and stays there. So one last question. You, you, uh, you love stories. Yes. It sounds like you love the written word as well. You, you, you feel, it feels like you're a student of literature. Yeah. Or I did major in linguistics. You did. I think that comes through. Yeah. So... Good. This is terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This, this was so great. fun. This is great. Thanks. Thank you. More information about our guest today can be found on our website, www.bookwormsinthewild.com. Our website also includes links to the books and other resources we referred to in our discussion. Thanks especially to my podcast team, Dave created the podcast with me and is my producer. Ron is responsible for art direction and design. Melanie, as always, is in control of most everything and has provided overall creative direction. Ben and Eden provide additional inspiration and support. And, of course, Carol is my muse, as well as my affiliate manager. The entire Wolfpack is also responsible for introducing me to most of our guests. Thanks also to the great Anchor team for making it free and easy to create the podcast. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. And in any event, let me have your comments at bookwormsinthewild at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the podcast next week.